a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast. It's show number 73. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. Well, this week's show, we have news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, and a feature on Harry Hill. Hooray. How are you doing, Chrissy? I'm podcasting away, just staring out the window and thinking this snow better not wreck my party this weekend. But it Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about your party. Having a, a, just to thumb our nose at the season and having a mojito and taco party for all my, me and mine. So I've had about 20 people say they're coming. So I'm hoping they come in shifts or I may have to stack people. We'll I'll see. be there. Maybe I can tweet from the party saying yeah. we're having a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, golly. Um, selling stuff on eBay. Just kind of cleaning the house, thinking through the party. Went over to my mother's and we made a big fancy old-fashioned Sunday dinner because we were a really big family, even though there were just four of us, my grandma, sister, me, and my mother for a long time. We ate dinner every night at the table and then had a cup of tea. We weren't really big for dessert, but after dinner, we'd all have our cup of tea and talk. And that just doesn't really happen anymore. My grandmother's in a care facility and my sister's not home a lot. And my mom doesn't even have a real dining room table anymore that's set up all the time. So it was kind of nice to, my uncle came over and my sister did come and she had her boyfriend. So we had an old fashioned Sunday dinner, but it wasn't a Sunday roast. It was a Sunday lasagna. There's a new show on this week yeah. that's right up your alley. Okay. You will say, wow, this sounds familiar. Yeah, well, it's. I was surprised, actually, that a lot of people don't do that because of activities or whatever. Because that was just a real – every single day, pretty much, we had our, our dinner together. And with conversation and talking and manners. And I got to pick out – my grandmother had a big china cup collection, and I got great fun when I was younger getting to pick out which cup we'd each get every night for our tea. And so uh, I, can, I can speak highly for it. I think it really brings the family together to have – not if not if you can't do it every night, at least a couple of nights a week, sit down and have dinner together. And your grand and your mom kind of launched your British TV habit, don't you think? And they used to watch a lot of British television. Well, I remember Monty Python being on, and it always seemed to be the same few episodes, and they were big and upstairs, downstairs. But no, as a kid, what I really craved and just loved being able to stay up and watch was the Carol Burnett show. That was the big one for me. Or Batman reruns, but they were on in the afternoon, so I didn't have to stay up late for those. You know, I think the British TV thing really started with me discovering the young ones in teen, mid, early to mid-teens. Well, I'm going to stick to my theory that the mm-hmm. seed was planted with those Money Python episodes okay, there. Yeah. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I went to Australia for the summer, their winter, when I, in 1982, for three months, because I have a huge family there and went all around. And they were really, um, they were still really into Some Mothers Do Album reruns, and that was always on. So I kind of discovered Michael Crawford and that at the time, which didn't really get... It may have been shown here originally, but it certainly wasn't 
until Mr. Bean caught on, and then somebody put out the, the old uh, Some Others Do Have Them on VHS, saying, if you like Mr. Bean, this guy is silly, too, and does Pratt Falls. Watch him. Sorry. Well, it didn't hurt that Michael Crawford yeah. had become a big superstar right. by that point, thanks to Phantom of the Opera. So he became a name guy. Well, they they weren't pushing him on the label, though. I remember they were really huh. trying to tie it to Mr. Bean. If you like that kind of humor, you'll like Some Others Do Have Them. The stunt work in that show is amazing because mm-hmm. Michael Crawford famously did all his own stunts. Right. He was the Jackie Chan of 1970s sitcoms. He was, and then they put together a show for him in Vegas called FX, where he was going to do more special effects on stage as well as sing. And and um, he was injured. He couldn't carry on. So David Cassidy took over and had quite a good run there for several years playing the part that they'd originated, created for Michael, but... He was just a little too old to resume the stunt work, I guess. He hurt his back. And he didn't even get the Phantom movie. It was Mm. Jared Butler. Nope. Oh, well. Well, this week on Twitter, I tweeted that Outcasts moves to 10.35 p.m. on Sundays. Mm. (laughs) I don't think the BBC has a worse time slot. (laughs) Yeah, the ratings have dropped on the BBC science fiction series since it premiered three weeks ago, so they pulled the trigger and moved it to the graveyard slot on Sunday nights. And while I don't think Outcast is any Battlestar Galactica, the remake, of course, I like what it's been trying to do. Um, but that's no reason for the BBC to treat it worse than Fox does to its Friday night sci-fi shows. At least it waits 13 weeks before canceling a show. So I don't think we'll be seeing a second season of Outcast. Instead of attending the Doctor Who convention Gallifrey One over the weekend, on Sunday I made a movie instead. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and a camera. I had no oh. crew. I had people all signed up to come on Monday, and I saw the weather was changing, and I thought, you know what? I think I could make this whole movie by myself. And so I did. Have you seen it yet? No, haven't seen it yet. I, oh. I will. It's uh, my take on the Watson the computer that handily defeated two humans on Jeopardy last week. Okay. And the practical applications of having that. So we'll put a link in our show notes, and people may find that amusing. If you like Harry Hill, you might like it. I don't know. Okay. Same kind of thing. Who is it? I keep getting tapes in the post from my former trader in the UK. I know. It's kind of embarrassing because I sort of wrote him in November and said, well, you know, we've had a good run here, but you know, I've got other sources now. And I think we're both kind of getting tired of putting things in the post and all this sort of stuff. Yes. And, and things keep showing up. He just can't stop himself. Uh, right. Well, admittedly, it's all stuff from last year. Mm-hmm. So I've got nothing newer than, let's say, late December, early December. He's just kind of getting around to, to posting to me, but I'm kind of like, oh, man. Oh, so, dear. yeah, I, uh, I mean, he's a nice guy. I just, I, I feel in this sort of awkward position, but I'll have to write in their letter. Have you seen the last episode of Hustle yet? No, I saw the last minute of it, though. I saw the ending where he's sad. Yeah. Robert Vaughn. Uh, and... Nice acting moment there for Robert Vaughn. And I did not kind of expect that ending because you're always sort of waiting for the twist and like, oh, there's some sort of con going on here. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty straightforward plot thing. Hmm. And it gave him a really nice, serious moment. And I thought, wow, a nice way to end the season. So, yay, Robert Vaughn. I mean, gosh, he's been around forever. Yep. I mean, the man from Uncle was. 36 years ago? Could well be, yeah. I read well, that they all t- They all take care of him on set. Make sure he's always got a chair, he's always got his coffee or tea, and he's always got a newspaper, and they just all treat him like their grandfather. So Help me do math. How long ago was 1965? 
That was 47, uh, 45 years ago. 46. 46 years ago. Yeah. Wow. And he's still doing him and Shatner and his co-star, David McCollum, mm-hmm. still all appearing on series television. Who'd have thunk it? Wow. <laughs> well, they kept themselves fighting fit and are good to go, I guess. Yeah. Probably the smartest promotion I've ever done for this podcast was jumping on BBC America's hashtag trend during Saturday's screening of Being Human on the East Coast and managed to get a whole lot of new followers and more downloads of our latest podcast in a single day than ever before. Wow. So we won't be talking that much about Being Human this week, although I can say that episode five on Sunday was the best yet. Okay. And that was easily my TV highlight of the week. I'm making them last (laughs) rather than my usual mainlining. I've been kind of spreading them out there, but um, I did finish Getting On finally, so I've seen all nine of those episodes and hope there's more. You've seen more Getting On than I have, so I I salute you there. I didn't watch them all the way through, but uh, you have a big treat for you for being human. It is really, really good this year, and per our conversation last week, I kind of do hope they do a fourth season, because with writing this good and Mm -hmm. characters this good, and it's just great, so woohoo being human. In the news this week, just a few hours before recording this, we received news that Nicholas Courtney had passed away on Tuesday. He's most famous for having played Brigadier Alastair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart on Doctor Who for many years. He was a stalwart convention guest for years and a very nice bloke. He was here in Seattle in 1990 for Anglicon 3, and he charmed the pants off, not literally, of our con chair, who wasn't that familiar with Doctor Who, but she'd been told, oh, he's a good guest and he was cheap. And he had done Rocky Horror playing the narrator. And mm-hmm. so it's a tradition here in Seattle to always do the time warp at midnight on Saturday night during the dance. And so we had him come in and actually do a bit of the narrator's lines that are part oh, of time warp. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Parsons played the narrator when I saw it in London. That was kind of fun. Good old just a minute fella, but... Yeah. And in 2004, I worked on a Doctor Who fan video called Death Takes a Holiday that starred Nicholas Courtney. Mm-hmm. It was shot on a cruise ship. He was one of the guests on those fan cruises. And he was a really good sport about being in the video and with all those amateurs. And uh, I was just the cameraman. I didn't direct or have anything to do with the writing, but he will be missed. Are you familiar with a Radio 4 show called Bleak Expectations? No, nope. I'm not. It's apparently a Dickens parody, and it's going to be... Head in BBC too. They're going to make a pilot of it, and it sounded kind of amusing. Uh, next year is Dickens' 150th anniversary, so the BBC yeah. wants to have all sorts of Dickensian programs in the works. And suddenly, said someone said, oh, "We have a parody series that's been running on Radio Four for three or four years now." Uh, well, that's <laughs> right, because um, Eddie Izzard was born exactly a hundred days after Charles Dickens. They share a birthday, so he'll be fifty next year. So there you go. Okay. Well, Maybe they'll have him host a show just for that reason. Zen has been canceled by the BBC. The new BBC controller, Danny Cohen, axed the Rufus Sewell mystery drama Zen based on the books by Michael Dibden. Mm -hmm. The first three episodes will be shown later this year on PBS. Cohen's the guy who said that they need more working class comedies. And here he's shuffling the schedule around moving Outcast to Sunday and getting rid of Zen. They got rid of Lark Rise to Candleford. So the Mm. new look BBC, you know, the new broom sweeps clean. And the fourth season of Benidorm begins this Friday on ITV1. But the writer of every episode, Darren Litton, said this week that it would be the last one he would work on. 
And though he created the series, the production company Tiger Aspect owns the rights to the series and could continue to make more episodes without him if ITV renews the series for a fifth season. Well, let's see. they got to get some new characters in there if it's going to go on. They have introduced two new women as hostesses there. They mm-hmm. had a picture of them. Uh, but, of course, Johnny Vegas will not be in the new season. His character is gone. Well, it was interesting that they had Chrissy Rock was plays. Well, she's sort of jack-of-all-trades at, at the hotel there because she runs the cabaret. She works the front desk sometimes. She's But she very famously was a stand-up comedian who did a drama, I think it was from Mike Lee, called Lady Bird, Lady Bird, about a woman whose children die in a fire. And she won all sorts of awards at film festivals all year, but wasn't really interested in doing much more acting. And she does live in Benidorm and entertains all the expats year-round. So that's why she was there to be in the show. But it was funny because she does that one movie, you know, she got so much attention for it but it didn't really springboard her into anything else and she didn't seem to want it to hmm. she just kind of liked her Benidorm stand up life well whatever suits you what's on TV for the week of February 23rd to March 1st well Wednesday Waterloo Road continues on BBC One and a history of ancient Britain is on BBC Two Thursday, part four of Marshlands is on ITV1. And Mad Dogs continues on Sky One. I watched mm. the second episode and... Oh, get any better? Not really. Oh. I saw that article that you sent me about the fact that the whole idea was generated from the actors because yeah, they didn't like Mark the scripts they were getting. Mm-hmm. And that makes it very close to basically being a vanity project. Mm-hmm. And... So they shopped it around, and Sky said, yeah, we'll do it. And I guess they're talking about doing another series, so I kind of... Spoiler there. I guess they all yeah. survived the end. <laughs> so. They're all going to be in it. Unless it's a weekend at Bernie's, and they're all hauling John Sim around in various stages of decay, but I don't think that'll happen. But that's a very unusual way to get a series commission, is to have the actors say, oh, we want to work all work together here, create something for us. Yeah, it seems like movies get made that more that way than television. Usually packaged by producers and agents mm-hmm. and things like that, and you know, you know, you get there. But you know, I kind of believe that it all starts with the writing. That you have a writer with an idea is what really makes a good television program. Ten o'clock live is on Channel Four Thursday, and Celebrity Juice is on ITV Two. Lunch Monkeys continues on BBC Three. Skins continues on E Four. And Friday, like we said, Benidorm is back on ITV1, the fourth season of the comedy about British holidaymakers in Spain. And Scylla Black guest stars in the first episode. Mm. Would you ever want to go somewhere like Benidorm? Seems like the Black Pool of Spain. No, I find it very strange to go to a foreign country and basically see everybody you see at home there. Yeah. It's just the weather that they go for and, the, and, the, and you know, how the all-inclusive is appealing. I noticed that when I went through the yeah. south coast of Spain on my honeymoon that there were a lot of British pubs and British-oriented things, because I, I knew about the fact the British had colonized down there, yeah. and their fact it was even a very famous failed soap opera called El Dorado that was all about British expatriates oh. that ran in the early 90s before it was uh, canceled. Well, I, I would just go to Blackpool myself. I like Blackpool, <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm not as sunshine-deprived. We do get it in Seattle. Not that often, but when we do, it's it's lovely. And I love course, the weather in Seattle. That's not to say you can't go someplace else and find something warmer. No, that's true. 
especially today. So here's the show I was telling you about. Okay, a new sitcom. It begins on Channel 4 called Friday Night Dinner. Stars Simon Bird from The Inbetweeners, Tamsin Greek, and guests Mark Heap. And is set in a Jewish household where the entire family gets together for, like it says in the title, Friday Night Dinner. They're just stealing from your life. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're Jewish. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a nice cast and it should be uh, fairly interesting. Fast and Loose continues on BBC Two. The Graham Norton Show on BBC One has guests Matthew Fox, Diane Kruger, and Jesse J. On Saturday, Harry Hill's TV Burp is on ITV One, and we're going to have a feature on Harry Hill in just a few minutes. Sunday, Time Team continues on Channel 4. Top Gear is on BBC Two. Wild at Heart is on ITV One. South Riding continues on BBC One. I've decided to wait and watch this period drama when it gets shown on PBS in May. You can watch it with my wife on Sunday nights. The Promise has its dramatic conclusion on Channel 4. Being Human is on BBC Three, and we'll get to meet George's late dad tonight. Oh. Okay. Flashback? Or, no, I guess no spoilers. Well, remember, there's... (laughs) (laughs) Dying isn't necessarily the end on Being Human. I'll just say that. Yeah, but George, his dad presumably was just a dude. He wasn't a werewolf, but we'll No, see. but he could become a ghost. That's true. Okay. All right. That Sunday night show is on ITV1. And Outcasts in this new time slot continues at 10.35 p.m. Sunday on BBC One. And if you're in the UK and want to stay up really late, the Oscars will go out live on Sky Movies premiere beginning at 1.30 a.m. When I was living in England in 93, uh, the Oscars at that point were already on premium cable channels. So as you're going to bed, they are doing the news show, late night news shows are doing live from LA. And they show people you know, on the go- carpet going there. It was a good year for the Brits. So we all go to bed and then you get up in the morning and the breakfast shows are all broadcasting live from LA because the parties are still going on out oh, here. Oh, I see. Yeah. And it was some big British thing had won. I really should look this up. <laughs> so we've got quite a bit of coverage. Not a lot of people actually watch the awards. I'm sure the ratings aren't very high on a, on a Sky Channel, but you get to see kind of a lot of the before and after coverage because most people are going to bed just as it starts, and as they get up, it's still, the parting is, is still going on. And so I suspect that the King's speech is going to do fairly well, and Colin Firth will be making the rounds on the morning chat shows in Britain. Should he win? All right. Monday, BBC4 presents the story of Variety with Michael Grade, a two-part documentary about the decline in theater shows offering comedy, music, song, and specialty acts over the past 50 years. Because, of course, Michael's uncle was Lou Grade, Mm -hmm. who was a very famous agent and later TV executive producer, and that's kind of how Michael got in the biz. Mrs. Brown's Boys continues on BBC1. Tuesday, Silk is on BBC One. I just watched the first episode, and it is all Maxine Peake all the time. And okay. she is the star of the show. She's in virtually every scene. All the other characters are sort of there to sort of support her. She plays a very efficient, clever barrister. Though gets to wear the funny wig and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Rupert Henry Jones is a kind of backstabbing colleague with a cocaine habit, so he's kind of a scumbag. Hmm. And Neil Stuke is the head of Chambers. If you've seen these chamber shows before, 
all the lawyers sort of work in the same office and sometimes they're assigned to be Queens Consul and sometimes they're assigned for the defendants and you just go wherever the job is. They just sort of hand you, you're working in this case, this case. You don't choose who your clients are. It's all handled by the clerk at the chambers until you kind of work your way up to the ranks. Hmm. And there's been lots of TV shows about these kind of things. Uh, John Hanna was in one uh, called New Street Law that was set in Manchester a couple of years ago in various uh, sitcoms, including some called Chambers. So it's kind of interesting to see how lawyer shows are so different over there than they are here. But I like Silk. I thought it was good, and, and Maxine Peake is excellent. Well, Charlie Brooker's How TV Ruined Your Life continues on BBC Two with a look at the audience's relationship with technology. Coming of Age continues on BBC Three. Shameless continues on Channel Four. Secret Diary of a Call Girl on ITV Two finds Belle in New York. Did you see the interview with her? She says, I think this is going to be the end of the run for mm. Secret Diary, that they've kind of run the course and, you know, they don't want to beat it to death, and she's looking forward to doing new projects. Yeah. Well, she certainly got her body back after the baby. That's all I have to say about that show. She Billy Piper really is still good in it. extremely yeah. hot. Yep. In the United States, on BBC America, Wednesday has reruns of The Tudors. Friday, Law and Order UK continue. Saturday, Being Human continues its great third season as we meet a teenage vampire named Adam. Now I'm curious if BBC America has got their hands on Becoming Human, which is the Red Button spinoff series, mm -hmm. which I guess you've been watching, right? You'll have to go give a loan this to me after them because yeah. I've not been watching those. But if they're really clever, they'll stick that on their website like they did the Confidentials because um, they're, they're about 15 minutes long. Yeah, 10 to 12. Yeah, that'd be the perfect thing for BBC America to put on the website. So if you're listening, BBC America, do that. And on Saturday, it's uh, followed by the Graham Norton Show. Top Gear continues on Monday. And the third season of Merlin continues Friday on Sci-Fi. Sunday on most PBS stations, Any Human Heart continues on Masterpiece Classic. DVD releases... Fresh Fields Volume 1, this 1984 ITV sitcom starred Anton Rogers and Julia McKenzie. Yeah. You're pre-Marple regenerated Miss Marple, yep. <laughs> Who also sings like an angel. Yes. Don't know if she sings on that, but she had a West End career that went on for years. Midsummer Murders, Volume 17, the long-running ITV mystery series starring John Nettles, contains four episodes from the 2009 season. And New Tricks Season 3, the BBC comedy drama about a team of former policemen investigating closed cases, stars Amanda Redman and Dennis Waterman. He even sings a theme tune! tune. <laughs> do, 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 all right. It's all right, mm -hmm. it's okay. <laughs> well, feature Harry Hill. Harry Hill is a stand-up comedian and television presenter. From TV burp to Letterman, Hill's fans range from children to many other TV entertainers. Harry's real name is Matthew Hall, and he famously studied to be a physician and became a licensed doctor before deciding to pursue comedy. He said the death of his stepfather from cancer had a big impact on him at the time and what he wanted to do with his life. His first trip to the Edinburgh Festival in a show with a colleague, received terrible reviews. 
Nevertheless, he stuck with comedy, and a few years later, in a new show with Impressionist Alistair McGowan, he won a Perrier Comedy Award for Best Newcomer. And Harry began touring and doing shows in the West and in London. And when was the first time you saw Harry Hill? Probably Jack D's The Full Mountie, when they had clips of everybody going to the Just for Laughs Festival. I think they had some of him there. When was that? 99. Okay, so that was after he'd, he'd done his... Uh, show here when did he start showing up on letterman 96 okay and he's been on seven or eight times yeah. i know he's been on as recently as 2006 and it's just a stand-up and letterman just can't get enough of him mm-hmm. my mom likes him too she she really laughed at him and also um alan da- davis did a three-part road documentary about touring around but he also would stop and interview different comedians and harry was one of the those that he interviewed and Remember, my mom just thought he was the funniest of that episode of all the clips they showed. Yeah, Harry began a radio series called Harry Hill's Fruit Corner for Radio 4, which would feature many elements that would be seen in his first Channel 4 series for TV a few years later. In fact, on a fruit theme, Harry directed six black and white shorts with the umbrella title of Harry Hill's Fruit Fancies. Each of these 15-minute shorts had a different theme with titles such as Punch, Bananas and None Rabbi None. Done entirely in the style of a silent movie with just a musical accompaniment, Harry was still sporting hair back then. Soon afterwards, he developed his distinctive look with a black suit with huge four-inch collars sticking out and thick-soled black shoes. Like the lining, like the lining. <laughs> he would always flip up his, uh, the pocket on his suit to show the lining. And not to mention his bald head and unfashionable NHS glasses. Yeah, there was a bit in Jack D's Full Mounting where he goes into a tailor and he is, um, the tailor turns out to be, are you being served? John Inman. And he keeps going behind a curtain and coming out with different outfits like um, Roy Chubby Brown and Harry Hill and Ben Elton. And then he'll do a little bit of that person's act as he came out and, and then finally comes out again in his Jack D suit and grumpily walks off, deciding that was the best look after all. But so Jack D did all these impressions? Sort of. Yeah, he would do a little bit of each person's really act I, as that person. Yeah, I've never seen Jack D do something like that. Well, that's interesting. As Harry's reputation was building, he made appearances on TV, including this one on Saturday Live in 1996. Look, look, look. Not really, not really, of course, the power of suggestion. Hmm? Petrol tank. That's no place to bring up a small child now, is it? And apparently, the cause of ginger hair is if the mother, during pregnancy, eats too many cheesy watsits. Hey, Mr. Tallyman, follow that Granada. Now, you like the lining? I got my nan. I got my nan to polish my car for me, and she does a lovely job right, polishing my car, which is a lovely job because the skin under her arms hangs down. And because, because of her age, because of her age, it's the same texture as chamois. Yeah, at the time I thought he was the best and only thing that was really watchable in that show. But yeah, you could kind of see why uh, David Letterman loves him. Channel 4 commissioned the Harry Hill Show in 1997, although the titles on screen simply read Harry Hill. 
And say what you will about the power of branding, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Harry puts his name into the title of each of his shows. Based on his Radio 4 series, the TV show was a madcap mix of Harry's stand-up act, members of his fictional family, and catchphrases. And let's listen to a little of Harry's act from Harry Hill. My old dad used to say to me, always fight fire with fire. And that's why he was thrown out in the fire brigade. <laughs> Stalagmites and stalactites. Hmm? That's how I remember them. Hmm, you've got to have a system, haven't you? Barnum hmm? Brando, Suzanne Dando. That's how My daddy had great big fat fingers. Oh, yeah, problem fingers to anyone else. But he was a greengrocer for a while. So what he used to do, he used to paint the fingers of that hand orange. So people would think they were getting more carrots. That hand you'd have green. Mm, courgettes, madam, courgettes. Mm, 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 mm. Have a nice big pumpkin for the weekend. Go on, madam. <laughs> Go on, madam. Take a nice bite of the pumpkin. Mm. He didn't last long in Tesco's. <laughs> Recurring jokes on Harry Hill were the always-canceled Badger Parade that was to end every episode, introducing Harry's son using the theme tune from The Sweeney, and Harry's glove puppet cat, Stouffer. Al Murray, later defined fame on his own, played Harry's brother, and Bert Quark from the Pink Panther movies was a regular as well on the show. And even though the budget was fairly low, there was the occasional guest star, like this cameo from 1997. I bought a lovely record this week. Peter Davison sings Pulp. I wanna live like common people. I wanna do whatever common people do. Want to sleep with common people. I wanna sleep with common people like you. And what else could I do? I said I'll see what I can do. Former Doctor Who Peter Davison there making an appearance on Harry Hill. I have to admit here that I wasn't immediately sold on Harry's brand of humor. I liked Fruit Fancies, and he really was the only good thing about Saturday Live. When his Channel 4 series began, my friend in England who was taping them for me would ring me after each episode on Friday nights to rave about how hilarious it was. And perhaps on a Friday night after coming home from the pub, it did seem pretty funny. Luckily for me, with the time difference, it was still the middle of the afternoon here when he called. <laughs> my attitude at first about Harry's show was a little went a long way. Each week, Harry and his cadre of co-stars would do the same gags and sketches every single show. It got to the point where I knew what was going to happen moment to moment. I suppose the payoff was the final episode of the first season where the expected rhythm was mercifully broken up, but by then I got to wondering, what's the point? Still, it could be funny at times, and David Letterman loved this guy. But if you'd asked me about it in 1997, I probably would have said, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. I much preferred it the second year, where under the auspices of script editor Stuart Lee, there were attempts at genuinely funny sketches that stood up on their own. Jokes were built on earlier gags, and there were some truly surreal moments like the head of Channel 4 being portrayed as a demented puppet who just wants to get on TV. After three seasons on Channel 4, the network dropped Harry Hill, so he moved over to ITV with the all-new Harry Hill show. And it could only be described as his previous show, but with a larger budget. It included... Celebrities Neil and Christine Hamilton, a scandal-ridden political couple doing goofy challenges, and a serial about Robbie Williams performed by ventriloquist dummies. It didn't do so well in the ratings, but Harry Hill's relationship with ITV would blossom with his next project, TV Burp. Time now for this week's Time Team in a Nutshell. 
this week's Times Him in a Nutshell. Phil, you got anything yet? Not a sausage, Tony. I'd seen a lot of clip shows by this point, but I had to admit that with Harry as the host, he got to cut loose with his odd brand of humor, such as trying to give a horse to the characters of Coronation Street or interviewing a dog from EastEnders. Harry takes the mickey out of what was otherwise a serious dramatic moment recently on Corey. I wasn't sure about Peter Barlow's decision to follow the modern trend and write his own wedding vows. I despise you. I curse the day we met and every moment that we spent together after that. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want anything to do with you. As far as I'm concerned, that bouquet in your hand may as well be a wreath. And Leanne, do you take Peter to be your lawful wedding husband? Although he usually uses lookalikes for his parodies, often the programs he makes fun of get into the act and let him do his little bits of business on their sets with the actors. Harry will frequently also get docu-soap subjects into the studio to make cameos or even perform a song at the end of the show. And the first half of the show always ends with a variation on this running joke. Yeah, no, no I like black pepper, but... <laughs> no, I like white pepper, but... Oh, which is better? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> With its early evening slot on Saturdays, TV Burp has run for 10 seasons and continues to appeal to all ages with solid viewing figures. I find myself being very amused by TV Burp, even though it's kind of like uh, talk soup with a lot of clips and things like that, the way he just treats things. They must have an awful lot of researchers who watch all the television shows. And it's amazing when you just take something out of context, a little, you know, 20 second bit. And as long as you set it up right and then they show the clip. It's, you know, a bit of innocuous television suddenly becomes hilarious. I've seen people who have to rate, watch, and log information at NBC. They're all college interns, and, oh, yeah. and everyone feels very sorry for them, just having to sit there and just eyes peeled eight hours a day. Got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. In 2005, Harry took the plunge into children's TV with Harry Hill shark-infested custard. For all intents, it was a junior edition of Hale's earlier shows with wacky hijinks involving kids and their grands. I couldn't quite see the logic of someone with Harry's comedy credentials doing a program like this, unless it was the rather cunning plan of hooking kids while they're young on his peculiar yet amusing brand of humor to create lifelong fans to sustain his career forever. <laughs> Pretty good game plan there. In 2000, Harry Hill was honored on This Is Your Life, even at the relatively young age of 36 at the time. It was mentioned that one of his very first appearances on stage was at school as a pantomime dame, and he even got good notices. Harry put that experience to good work, appearing in the elaborate filmed celebrity pantos that Simon Nye wrote, including Dick Whittington and Cinderella. And when he's not touring or appearing on telly, Harry has written several books, including Flight from Heathrow, Tim the Tiny Horse, and The Further Adventures of the Queen Mum. So we kind of talked a little bit about this last week of why isn't Harry Hill 
better known in the United States when people like Eddie Izzard is and Russell Brand, who's seemingly conquering America. Well, Eddie Izzard came over a lot in the mid-90s, and he said it was really him coming here and staying for about four or five months and doing an off-Broadway show that finally got him noticed and more bookings than just five minutes of stand-up, but started getting him acting gigs and more interest about getting an agent in the U.S. So, And he thinks more Brits could do it if they were willing to start over, because here they are, quite successful in the U.K. They come here and nobody knows who they are. And that's a huge... For, well, for, some of them have families and they don't want to take off for five months and, and come over here, whereas Eddie didn't and was ha- had the time to do it. Do you so. think Eddie got more on the map, though, when he started doing acting parts? Because people would see him more in mass media kind of things. I think there's a glass ceiling in this country for stand-up comedians that if you don't watch late-night shows or go to mm-hmm. comedy clubs, you're really not going to see stand-up comedians, whereas in Britain... They're much more ubiquitous. There's a lot yeah. more stand-up comedy on television, on mainstream television. There's touring. The, people the go clubs, to the theater yeah, more often. That's true. You get to see these guys on panel shows. You could really be invisible in this country, i.e. not on primetime television, if you only do stand-up comedy. And I think that's what keeps a lot of yeah. people from really getting into the consciousness. And for better or worse, Harry Hill's thing, at least what he's tried in this country, is doing stand-up. And yeah, you can get on Letterman seven or eight times, but how do they make that more? How do you leverage that into something more? Well, there's stand up comedy is just very different in this country, too. Um, even really well known comedians who are playing Caroline's, which is the best club in New York City, aren't making a whole lot of money about it. They're just waiting to get on TV. <laughs> stand up is that's the only way they're going to actually make a really good living, is if they can parlay huge success in the clubs into a TV shot. Whereas in the UK, a lot of people just want to stay on the stage and become really, really good stand-up comedians and put the work into there as an end, not as a means to get on television, although that can come too. I think there's more of a taste for comedy in Britain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here, you know, we have sitcoms, and that's pretty much it. But in Britain, you've got radio, and again, you've got theater, which... You know, there's a big monster that needs a lot of material. Every town has a theater. You know, when someone's appearing live, they're only appearing in one place at that one time. So every other venue needs to have something going on as well. And people go out and see live entertainment in Britain. We've got to think per capita a lot more than they do in this country. Yeah, definitely. And so there's a place to be seen for that kind of stuff. And again, TV is providing a, a place for these guys to see be seen. I mean, I've never been to a comedy club in Britain, and I know who a lot of British stand-up comedy comedians are because they've been on television. I don't know what the answer is for people who only strictly have a stand-up act and coming over here unless they're going to break into acting a la Eddie Izzard or Russell Brand. Well, both of Eddie and Russell started off wanting to be actors, too. And comedy was just a way to get known and get on stage, and they both turned out to be very good at it. But both of, and Alan Davis, too, yeah. he originally wanted to be an actor. Well, it's uh, interesting to see. So next week, you suggested this idea, the evolution of British comedy. Um, sitcoms was actually. Right. Yeah. So, because they've, yeah, they've gone up and down and, or maybe circular. Well, we'll discuss it then. 
Do you know that uh, PBS is working on some special that's going to be on the next month or so because they were at Television Center shooting something for a documentary. Hmm. So that can t- tie into that. But I have a top secret spy mission for you since you work at a PBS station. Yeah. And that is, I'm very curious about what is the most popular British show in the United States. And I have to think, based on ratings, that PBS is getting much higher viewing figures than BBC America does because their top show is like a little over a million viewers. But I know Downton Abbey was getting several million viewers. I would say, without asking anyone, I would say probably Doc Martin's really huge. But that's not on every uh, station because it's syndicated, so some markets get it, some don't. I would think the network stuff that's on Masterpiece Classic, uh, like Sherlock, Downton Abbey, things like that. So I want you to inquire with your spies because sometimes PBS doesn't appear in the Nielsen book, so it's really hard to kind of get ratings on PBS. But I've got to think, somebody there, they, they know what their viewing figures are. And I'd be really curious what people are watching the most. You know, what is right now the most popular show in the United States. Okay. So. We'll see. Report back to us. Well, my main contact there was in a car accident, so he's not at work right now. Oh, dear. He's all right. He'll be back soon. I'm sorry to hear that. Meanwhile, we'd like you to visit our website, which is www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, and an archive of our previous 72 shows. And you can follow us on Twitter, and that's at twitter.com slash BritTVPodcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send it to feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. Sounds good. Yes. All right. Well, I think we'll uh, pack up Chrissy here and get her home before the uh, snow the comes avalanche. down. Yep. The avalanche. The snow, snow, what is it? Snow pop. <laughs> Snowpocalypse? Yes. That term's been a little overused, but we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.